Hey, this is Michelle Kanan, and thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited to share the launch of something special with you today, and it is the Commit to Your Selfish Challenge. That's right, it's a free five-day challenge that I'm launching just for you that's gonna take you from a place of resistance or fear, or no, I can't do that, to hell yes, I can, and of course, and the universe supports me, and I'm ready for the damn thing. So if you have a project that you wanna get moving or a situation that you wanna change, or if you just wanna feel more empowered then go to signup.radicallyselfish.com and you can be in this free challenge with me and an amazing community of women that is ready to take over the world so go do that right now while you're listening to this next episode sugar (laughs) hi This is Michelle Kanan, and you're listening to the Radically Selfish podcast. Radically Selfish is a movement. It's a personal revolution. And so I'm talking to women that have personally revolutionized their own lives and taken back the definition for what it means to be happy, healthy, and to do things their own way. Fuck what society tells you to do. You get to live the life that you want. Today, I'm talking to Mickey Agrawal a woman who is changing how we think about our buttholes and our periods, among other things. She's the founder and inventor of Tushy, a bidet company, Thinks, the awesome period underwear that I love very much, Eat Drink Wild, a gluten-free, fabulous dining experience, in a DJ duo, she's an author, and she's a proud mom of a really cute little boy named Hero. I mean, seriously, what doesn't this woman do? Mickey is a entrepreneur who loves to do cool shit. And I really loved our inspiring conversation where she breaks it all the way down on how to get from idea to execution to profitable business or two or three. <laughs> so where does she get all her energy and ideas? Yeah, listen in and find out. Hey, hey, Mickey, it's Michelle. It's great to have you here. So great to be here. (laughs) I'm really excited to talk to you for many reasons, but I know that one of the reasons I wanted to invite you on the show is, aside from being super impressed with you and in awe of a lot of things that you do, as a businesswoman and as an entrepreneur, I'm just like amazed watching you like launch it and publish it and have new companies and open new restaurants. And I know that a lot of women that listen to the show, they have projects that they're working on and they have businesses that they want to start. So I just wanted to know if we could dive right in. Like, how do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think first, first of all, um, it it takes a village. So I have really great teams, but before even having teams at all and was on my own, um, I only focused on one at a time. So it seems like there's a lot going on now, but I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. And so in the last 15 years, I started the restaurants first um, and was born out of, ne- out of a necessity. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. We know that. And um, I just kept having stomach aches and kept eating crappy food um, on sets of commercials, commercials and music videos. I used to work, you know, in the film business before starting my businesses. And um, not only did I learn about project management because in the film business you really learn about project management, but you also, but I also really, you know, kept eating the food at the craft service table because from college I, I did have student loans to pay back. And, you know, I didn't want to just, you know, if I had free food available to me, then I would eat the free food. And there was like this free food table on sets of commercials constantly. And I would eat this free food constantly. And then I would come home with stomach aches. And that was 
sort of the beginning of my entrepreneurial adventure was when I sort of started researching and discovering that there was a massive processed food industry. There was, you know, processed sugar or, you know, dairy and hormones and pesticides and antibiotics and, you know, um, all those things were in food uh, today. And so that was when I sort of realized all of it. And it sort of set me, it's sort of my first aha moment was from that point I had, oh my God, I want to create sort of a organic, local sort of food concept. And I remembered that I had given up my favorite comfort food, which was pizza, because it was processed flour, processed cheese, sugar-filled sauces, all the crappiness in all the sort of processed food today was in pizza. And I just, every time I ate it, I'd had stomach aches, and so I just stopped eating it. And I was like, oh my God, this ding, ding, ding moment happened where I was going to take this beloved, you know, American favorite pastime that everyone loved, you know, pizza at the time, it was $32 billion, the category, you know, Americans ate 100 acres of pizza every single day. And there was such a huge opportunity to take this beloved food and turn it on its head and use gluten-free flours, hormone-free cheeses, local seasonal toppings. And without any experience at all, you know, raise the money, you know, and the way I did that was I first tried doing like one-on-one meetings with people and it was like so uncomfortable for me. I would wear these like suits and stuff and I would just look so out of place. I was so nervous and I was so uncomfortable. And so I raised a big fat donut. I, I raised zero dollars for the first six months. And, um, and I was like, all right. And I just kind of like took a step back and I was like, all right, where am I the most myself? Where am I most authentically me where I shine? And, um, and I realized that it was like, okay, like playing soccer was one of the places, things. I really was like so confident, so comfortable playing soccer. I would have like boyfriends in the past or people I liked come watch me play soccer. And I was like, all right, and that's where I shine. They liked me more. And it was sort of like a really good energetic thing. And I was like, where else do I shine? I was like, oh, dinner parties. I love throwing dinner parties. I'm really good at hosting. I'm going to do that. And so I started hosting, fundraising dinner parties. And, um, and, uh, and that's how I raised the money. You know, I created these communities and people just loved, you know, like saw so much effort putting forth and, I raised two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars for my first business through these fundraising dinner parties. Wow, that's so amazing! I love that you learned to ask yourself the question like, "Where do I shine?" Yeah. instead of struggling and trying to like fit into an existing model or path or way that like most people need to do it. Is that something that you were born with, or is that something that you like develop for yourself? Well, I mean, I think it's like when you're going meeting after meeting and raising zero dollars, you're kind of like really dejected and you're like, all right, what the fuck is working? What's not working? Why is this not working? And I was like, oh, like I'm not comfortable. And I think, yeah, growing up, of course, you know, my parents came to this country with, you know, nothing. Well, you know, my, my, my mom came from Japan. She had money, but she didn't speak any English. My dad came from India. He didn't have any money. He spoke English, but you know, they met, they fell in love and sort of against all odds got together, got married. And, um, and they really sort of um, figured it out, you know, as two people from faraway countries came here and um, they just, uh, without any resources, without any connections, they like created things like the Gifted Children's Summer Camp and they created in Montreal, which didn't exist before. They created this sort of electronics kids company called Tomorrow's Professionals, which didn't exist before because they wanted to teach kids about electronics and the, that those kinds of educational things for kids didn't exist. And so they were like, screw it, we'll just do it ourselves. And just our whole lives, we just watched them. My mom led our Japanese school. My dad was one of the leaders in our Hindi school. And it was just like, oh, if, if you don't 
have any resources or any connections or anything, you can still do really cool shit. And so that I think, you know, supported supported the whole sort of ideology for us, for myself, my sisters, you know, for the rest of our lives. And so the restaurants were the first business and then after I, you know, really kind of got the restaurants in a stable place by bringing on a really good partner, one of my big lessons in that was, you know, I was like a terrible operator in the restaurant space. I never operated restaurants before. And so I really have the great ideas, the great design, the great aesthetic, the great product. But when it came to like running it, I just, that's not my strong suit. And so, um, or it's not something where, it's not where I shine. I could do it, but I don't do it well. And so I brought in like the best operator and it was so crazy when I remember when he like took over the operations of the restaurant after I ran it for seven years myself within one week our numbers doubled within one month our numbers tripled and I was like I hate myself <laughs> but then you love yourself because what I hear is like you're really good at even if it's not immediate understanding that you need to be in a place where like you're yeah. in your zone of genius yes. right like yes. making sure that you're letting go in a way of that kind of ownership or that ideology of like I have to do, do everything all. and that's so important right so many of us can struggle with like you know, needing to be the one that's handling everything, being afraid of what happens if we let go of ownership or if like we let go of that oversight in that kind of way. So that's something really brilliant. No, I mean, it, it, um, it I, I mean, I, well, also it's just like, you also learn by being like, oh my God, what have I done? You know, in that way, in the way that like, I, I spent so many years trying to like figure out how to run the restaurants and yeah. So I think you kind of learn as you go and then you like, Obviously, I didn't really learn the lesson because it took me again. I had to do it again when I, you know, in the raising money piece or, you know, before that. But yeah, I think you, you know, in each part of the, of your sort of hero's journey or the heroine's journey, you kind of learn and then you hopefully won't make the same mistake again. So how did you know um, that you were onto something, that like your idea was something worth pursuing, even if for six months everyone was like, no, 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 and closing doors and faces, like what, what kept you committed and knowing like, no, this is the right thing for me to do? I mean, I just knew that people who had gluten intolerances or people who couldn't eat conventional pizza, you know, like, like they were like, oh my God, what a great idea. I would eat that all day long. And I knew for myself, I want, I crave pizza, I missed it. And I couldn't, and I was like, no, 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 I want this food. And I think, you know, in my book, Do Cool Shit, I talk about sort of the three questions to ask yourself before starting any business. The first question is what sucks in your world? The second question is, does it suck for a lot of people? And the third question is, can I be passionate about this issue, cause or community for a really long time? And so for me, sucks in my world first. I want a pizza. I wanted my own, like, I want to satiate my own desires. And I think for that, even for things, when I started my period proof underwear business, which came next, I, could, I kept bleeding in my underwear and I wanted to solve a problem for myself. Fast forward to Tushy, you know, building my bidet company. I kept, I, I hated wiping my butt with dry paper and like having, feeling unclean because it's crazy to use dry paper to try and wipe the dirtiest part of our bodies. Like why we wouldn't do that to our dirty dishes or to the rest of our body. So why do we do that to our, you know, dirtiest part of our body? Um, and so I, I kept, I had to jump in the shower every time I took a poop. So it was like, no, I want to create a the really a best in class modern designer bidet product that can easily attach to any toilet in ten minutes and turn any toilet into a bidet. Super affordable, sixty nine dollars, unlike those expensive Japanese toilets, but really satisfied my own need, which was cleaning my butt properly with water after I pooped. And so for all of my businesses, it really was satiating something that 
that was a problem in my life first. Yeah, I can really relate to that. Um, our, my businesses too are in the same way where there was like a real problem, like something that I saw was missing and I needed it too. So it wasn't only just something that I would do for other people, right? Like my company in this podcast, it's called Radically Selfish. Yeah. Like it really can take looking at yourself and what you really need and knowing like, okay, I can do this. I can fix this. I can be the one to make it real. Yep. Yeah. I mean, definitely it, um, I, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also resonating with um, what you were talking about with your parents because my parents are immigrants um, to this country also from, where? from Russia. Um, so they're Jews. And um, when they left in the 70s, it was communist still. And there was this um, diaspora where at one point the government was like, okay, if you're a Jew, you can leave right now, but you can't take any money. You can't take any stuff. You can never come back. We're taking your passport. You'll never see your family again. And that was part of a movement that my parents did where they left and couldn't see their family, couldn't go back for like 20 years, crazy times. But I grew up in that same way of watching them like build shit out of nothing right. and just never being like, no, that's not possible. Yep. And yep. so um, I can really resonate with that. What would you say to people that maybe didn't grow up in that kind of way? Like how how else can we learn those kinds of lessons or tap into that kind of energy? Um, I think it's going to to put yourself in positions that make you feel uncomfortable and, and, and get comfortable in discomfort. And like, whether it's volunteering at like a, you know, at a, at a sort of home or, or going to a shelter or doing something that's just sort of out of your comfort zone. I think that will help build those, those sort of muscles in your, in your self to get through something. Mm. Do you think it's also about like seeing how much less other people have or how much bigger struggle there is? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just sort of like, and then it puts things in perspective, like, wow, like they would just kill to be in my position with the just means that I have. And like, it just puts so much in perspective, like traveling to India for me, I've been to India six times and going to India really just puts so much in perspective. It's just like, we are so lucky. And so like, what do we do with this luck? Well, we let's go and build things that really support other people and support the planet, improve the sort of lives of everyone that you can. And I think all my businesses have, you know, my, my most recent business, Tushy, you know, like we'll get to things after, but Tushy, you know, is, is not only revolutionizing the American bathroom and upgrading ourselves out of the 1800s, but it's also really helping fight the global sanitation crisis that affects a billion people, you know, over a billion people practice open defecation where they poop outside and it contaminates the local waters. This community stink and like there's nowhere to go. Women are at risk. And so oftentimes women have to hold in their pee and their poop all day long, which causes UTIs, lots of issues. So a lot of women, you know, don't drink enough or, or eat enough food because they're so afraid to defecate or go, have to go because it puts themselves at risk. And so they have to hold in their stuff until late at night. And as groups in a group of women have to walk miles to go and relieve themselves, this is the life of theirs every single day. Like imagine what that, like I, I sometimes close my eyes and just sit in that and it's just like, Again, I feel so lucky to have a bathroom that I can go and just relieve myself and to be able to clean myself properly with water and do it the right way. It's just like a no-brainer. So to date, we've helped like 12,000 families gain access to clean sanitation in India the, through, the urban, through our partnership with Samagra, where they work with the urban poor all over um, India. And so we want to impact millions of people. That's amazing. So all your businesses have those philanthropic Yes, yes. And so with Thinks as well, like we've helped 
to date over um, 100,000 girls gain access to menstrual products, which they didn't have access to in the past. This is in the African continent. And, um, and you know, girls often miss one to two weeks of school every you know, month, and which puts them behind. Imagine missing a week of school every single month, trying to catch up and keep up. Well, that doesn't happen. So a lot of those girls drop out and eventually you know, fall behind in their work. They don't get the same job opportunities. And it's just like a downward spiral versus just having access to menstrual project, products keeps them in school, which then gives them the same opportunity to go and get the right living after afterwards and so you know i i'm really i really i really do care about you know th- those that don't have what we have because I, I i i often you know like sit in it and be like wow that just would be the worst you know to not have food or to not have menstrual products or not have a place to go to the bathroom just the basic human rights that we all deserve and there's plenty of food to go around on the planet for everyone to eat and time again yeah, there's a couple things that are threads that I'm thinking about while you're talking. And one is um, really related to the concept of radical selfishness, how when you tap into your own desires, yes, how, it actually helps. Yes. how it can help others. First so, starts with you, mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other one I'm losing right now because I really want to talk about this concept. Oh, the other one actually is the feeling of what it's like to grow a business and what that's like because... Like I started this conversation saying, okay, here you have like five different businesses and projects and you were like, whoa, 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 those didn't all happen like all at once. And it was like a slow burn. And there were these seven years of struggle when I first started. And, um, I call that like back of curtain stuff. Right. And then there's the front of curtain stuff, which is what most people see. And it's like the good stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, things just popped up or Tushy just, I see Tushy everywhere. It's like, no, no, no. I mean. You know, things, I mean, I started, you know, my sister and I came up with the idea in 2005 and then started working on it in 2011. And we really just, we hit in 2015. And so people assume like, oh my God, just like one, you know, like wham, bam. And you're like, wow, it's everywhere. It's like, no, it's been in the works for a while, getting paid nothing for years, you know. Um, And then you just, you know, it hits. And same thing with Tushy. It's like more and more people now are like, you know, saying, oh my God, you start Tushy? Like I have Tushy in my bathroom. And it's just like people I don't know. And so it's starting to happen the same way it happened with things. And it's just like really exciting. Would you say that it's like the same feeling over and over again? Like for a woman that has yet to start her own business or that is like on that path or dreams of that for herself, like what is it like <laughs> to to grow your business, to start a business from nothing, to have like an idea and then like suddenly you have total strangers coming up to yeah, you and they're like, like oh, pulling their that. pants down and saying, <laughs> I'm wearing things. It happens all the time. It's wild, and I do not take it for granted. You know, I remember the first time that this, the first, first time that it happened, and not with my restaurants, because it happens with my restaurants too, where people are like, oh my God, Wild's my favorite restaurant. I can't believe it. And this is like, you know, people I met in like, I, I met these people in LA, and we overheard them talking about their favorite restaurant. And one of them was like, oh yeah, mine's this little place in Upper East Side called Wild. And I was like, oh my God, you know? And um, that was like so crazy. And I was like, Andrew, my, or my partner at the time was like, excuse me, that's Mickey's restaurant. And they were like, oh my God, it was crazy. But that was an amazing moment. Um, but with Thinks, it was, I will never forget when I was walking down the street in Williamsburg and I ran into my friend Sham who had his two cousins who were in town from India. And, um, and they were like both, like one was like 23, one was like 19. And they're both like these really cool like Indian girls who like, you know, were like, you know, hip Indian girls. And, and Sean was like, oh, Mickey, tell them what you're working on. 
And I was like, oh yeah, it's this company called Things. We, you know, we make period-proof underwear. And then these two women were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And they pull out their phones and they're both, they both pull up their WhatsApp threads with all their girlfriends in India. And they're both, they're all talking about things. And I was like, I literally started crying. And I was like, wait, what? I couldn't even believe they knew about it. And it was just like, and then it just took off from there. But, you know, it was just, and the same thing with Tushy, like at Founderby, and like the number of people who were like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I love, I love Tushy. Like Bobby Brown's right-hand woman just couldn't believe it. She and her husband had gotten gifts, Tushy as gifts to all their friends. And they're like super fans. It's just like, oh my God, I just want, I just like imprinted that moment. You know, it was That's just so cool. Yeah. So that actually leads me to ask, um, well, Tushy and then thanks, like those are quote unquote uncomfortable topics and yeah. to talk about in polite conversation. Um, how did you make them? Like, I remember, I think I saw you, oh no, no, I was talking to your business partner at FounderMade and he, and I was like, yeah, and I have a problem with it. And he's like, your butthole. And I was like, no, that's not where I was going with that. But I just had to laugh because it was just such an easy conversation. Yeah, yeah. How do you guys like take or how do you take a topic that is, could be considered taboo or like inappropriate? And you're just like, fuck that. No, like we need to talk about it. This is normal. This is natural. Like, let's have a conversation. I think the more you talk about anything, the more it's like, oh, yeah, cool. And I think the fact that these things are hush hush. Meanwhile, everybody poops. Every woman has a period. Everybody eats, you know, like. It's just like, let's, everybody has sex, you know, like the fact that we're still so like uncomfortable talking about sex. Meanwhile, how, how are we all on the planet? It doesn't make any sense. Right. And so it's just like stating the obvious. And if people are like, ooh, you're like, wait, what? And then they're like, well, I don't know, you're supposed to talk about that. It's like, why not? And then you kind of unpack it and they're like, oh yeah, okay. And then over time, it's just like, yeah, cool, butthole. <laughs> okay, cool, vagina. Okay, cool, breast. Okay, cool, sex. Okay, cool, like anal, you know, like cool. Like eventually it just becomes like, cool. So I think it just elevating the conversation, continuously talking about it, letting it not be something that's only talked about behind closed doors. Do you think it's important for you then to do that like with your personal life? Like sometimes on your Instagram, you'll have like a picture of you in the tub with your baby or something like that. Like does that philosophy also translate to you like behind the scenes too? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the concept of breastfeeding, like the fact that women are sequestered to back corners of rooms to pump quietly in the corner is ridiculous to me. It's like we are feeding our children with this like potent juice and the fact that it's considered taboo and the only way we can show our breasts in a sexual way, no, not okay. Like I posted a video of myself showing how the breast actually sprays milk and there's like multiple holes in your breast. So it sprays like a sprinkler versus like one hole, which most women and most men think. And also we put these big pumps in our breasts and we just kind of like cover them. So when we're letting the pump do the work, we actually don't see what's going on versus when you hand express with your fingers, you actually can see where the holes are, like what, what happens. We're so like, we, we, we've just, we've grown like this. We've, we have a culture of like running away from ourselves. Like how many people have like stared at their vaginas and see what they look like or put a mirror there just to look. I'm sure most people have no idea what they look like. You know, or just like looking at their back, just looking at every part of their body, looking at your butthole. What does it look like? Are there little polyps on the side? Do you have a hemorrhoid that you might not even know of? Like what's going on and like what's wrong with it? Why are we so afraid of our own bodies? It's weird. And so for me, it's like we all used to be without clothes running around. Like let's go back there and not do it in a way that's like uncomfortable or unconscious or 
you know, like, you know, on, without consent, let's do it in a way that makes sense, but let's not shy away from it. It's our own human bodies. It's cool. So how do you, I totally agree. <laughs> how do you, though, as like a woman that's visible, that's like running shit, like, I'm sure you get um, feedback that isn't always like supportive of that or yeah. like people like sending you not nice comments about it or like critics. And, and I've started to experience that myself, like yeah. the more visible I'm getting to like words being misinterpreted yeah. or people that just like they don't get you. So they're against you suddenly, you yeah. know, like how do you how do you deal with that? Like, how do you not let it get under your skin and turn into like, there's something wrong with me or yeah. or with my projects or I'm doing something bad? How do you keep yourself separate from that? I mean, you know, there's an amazing famous quote, was it Abe Lincoln or was it, um, it's like, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the, you know, it's not the, it's not about the, you know, um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the, um, it's not about like, the person who's like on the sidelines watching is basically the concept. It's about the, you know, the, the, you know, it's all, it's about the person who's in the ring, whose face is marred with blood and sweat and tears. And it's the one who's doing it. The ones who are on the sidelines, you know, it's like, there'll always be a peanut gallery. And it's like, either you let that get to you or you're like, no, I'm in the ring. I'm doing it. I'm making shit happen. I'm, I'm moving conversations forward. Of course, people might throw eggs at you. Cool. That's part of it. You know, Michelle Obama also just says, don't read the comments. What's the point? You know? And I'm just like, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll look at a comment, but you know, and the comments, most of the 99% are, are wonderful. And there's just trolly people who just want to get that sort of like reaction because they're in their own lives dealing with stuff. And, you know, I have a new book coming out called disrupt her. And in my book, I talk about a love her to hate her spectrum. So we have their haters among all of us. You know, there's haters within us, you know, I hate her, you know, and I love her. There's basically a spectrum of emotion that we have. So if you imagine this sort of linear line from left to right, and there's like on the left-hand side, it's like when you're feeling happy, fulfilled, joyful, like content, when, you're, when things are great, you're more likely to be a love her, where you're supportive of other people, you're championing, you clap, you support. When you're feeling insecure, uncomfortable, like self-loathing, or when you feel like, like jealous, or when you feel all these things on this side, the right side of the, your emotional spectrum, and you're more likely to act out as a hate-her, which is taking down, talking shit, you know, just being mean, like just that sort of mentality. And we all teeter back and forth between that. Nobody's perfect. It's all about catching ourselves when we're acting as a hate her and then checking in within ourselves and saying, oh, I'm saying mean things. What's, what's going on in myself to be able to feel better about myself by talking shit? It's just not productive for me. It's not productive to put that energy out in the world. And so when I do that, okay, let me check back in with myself. It's not like, oh, that person's the worst. It's like, oh, oh, let me check in with myself. And oftentimes people just want to blame outwards and not check in with themselves. They want to take others down or they want to feel mean or they want to curse someone out. Or, or like just get out. that energy like out of them, or right? Or get that energy, right. whatever. It's like, that's not a productive, that's not a productive thing um, where... It's just a it's a, just a point a moment where you're like oh let me check in with myself mm-hmm. what's going on with myself so is that like a practice for you yeah oh for sure and I think you know we all kind of get into moments of like oh well Jenny did this and Susie did that and you're like you know and you're like wait why a I can just talk to Jenny and Susie or whatever and just be like this is where I'm this is where I'm feeling so to be completely in, in integrity so what my coach Lauren talks to me about is like being in integrity which means what you're thinking feeling and saying have to align. 
if you're thinking, feeling, and saying align, you're in integrity. If you're not, you're you're basically out of integrity. If you're telling a half truth, you're out of integrity. If you're like, so there's so much where we're like, oh hey, out of our mouths, and we're thinking, bitch, or I don't like you anymore, or whatever, whatever, or you're feeling like you don't make me feel good anymore. So and then you're not saying it, you're out of integrity, you know. And so it's not on them to like guess what you're feeling or thinking. It's on you to basically share where your truth. And so. so so I'm just wondering, um, you know, if selfishly, because yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I find it easier to do at this point in my life with people that I know or people that I can sit down in front of me. Yeah. But with like the internet and with like that kind of false bravado people have when they're like hiding behind a screen, like, is it really for you? truly just that like you're not going to read it you're just not going to like let that energy enter you or yeah so so there's a practice so that that you know in my book i talk about like becoming the warrior gatekeeper of your mind and how do you do that and basically like it's like when a thought is about to enter your head you catch it and then you're like all right do i want to let it into my gate or not and you're like okay if i let it in my gate then what's going to happen it's a spiral that negative does it take me out of what i'm doing is take me out of my, my creative space or do i now file that and that to be a conversation on Tuesdays to be had or Tuesday to be had with my coach or my lawyer or my whatever and then not let that in my gate. And so it's a practice of like catching and catching and catching and catching. It makes it fun because then you're like, ooh, I just won. Instead of it being like, oh, I keep having these negative thoughts. Like, oh, I feel I keep wanting to talk shit about people. It's more like I caught myself before I went there, you know? And so it's just it's just noticing. It's like, it's like meditation. It's just, it's just creating space between you and the thought as much as you can and then catching it yeah that's actually and then but then we're also like we're all guilty of like not doing it every time and we're human beings and then it's like okay i I went there i'm gonna fix it again you know i just a couple of days ago i you know i had like you know a bit of a verbal diarrhea with a few of my girlfriends and immediately i cleaned it up you know in the previous in the past i would have been like let it fester and whatever And it's like oh shit you know if there was like some shit that went down let me clean it up immediately and i'm really proud of myself to have done that you know, so I think um, it, it just, you know, you, you have moments of, of, of humanness and then you catch yourself and you get back to sort of like being in integrity, being back in alignment of who you want to be. So two things I want to pull out from what you're saying, just because it was really amazing and I want people that are listening to, to let it settle inside of them. The one is, which I love too, I didn't know that you could do this, um, that you don't have to like be busy with a thought or with something that's bothering you right now. You can like say, okay, Monday at 10, I'm going to deal with yeah. this. Like I'm in the middle of something yeah. else right now. So, yeah. which isn't bypassing, yeah. which isn't ignoring. It's just like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm just going to file, file this. Yeah. Exactly. Which I love that practice. It's yeah. been so helpful for me as well and then the second thing is being really damn honest right like not letting a moment go by or as soon as you realize that like you know you're faking it or like on the outside you're acting like everything's cool but on the inside it's not like making sure that you feel your feelings that you like let it out also like the act of saying something means that it doesn't sit inside of you and like just be jumbled around like it it, you could get it to leave your body and then you give an opportunity to like deal with that shit in that moment instead of like building up resentment or like this resistance or this anger like inside of you until like builds and builds and builds and it can do awful things or like explode in crazy ways Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so um, what are you working? Well, you're working on Tushy now, right? Working on Tushy right now um, and really building it. You oh, know. Disrupt Her. I, yes, yes. I don't want to cut you off, but I am also very curious about this new book. Yep, I have a book coming out called Disrupt Her and it comes out in January. 
And it's um, a manifesto for the modern woman. Um, and it's really looking at 13 major areas in a woman's life um, where society tells us and kind of almost dictates how we should act and sound both in business and personally mm. and keeps to keep us small. And I think, you know, that when we talk shit or when we troll or when we do this, it's us, it's keeping ourselves small. Mm. You know, we talk about, you know, great people talk about ideas, average people talk about things, small people talk about other people, right? Like how do you continuously try to be great and we're constantly self-sabotaging ourselves by being small. And so it's really about like constantly trying to sort of open ourselves up again and again and again to be great and not to remain small. And something that's coming up for me, especially because you said both in business and in personal, is a way that we learned in polite modern society to segment ourselves based on if we're like in a professional setting or yeah. if we're in a personal se- setting. and. That was something that I learned how yeah. to stop doing. That was like literally why I couldn't do corporate anymore and like was like, no, I'm going off on my own because yeah. I didn't want to wear their suits. Totally. I, and it's exactly so, so you're so you're you're like you're you're like kind of we're being like, you know, driven by societal standards and the status quo thinking and like, you know, can't talk about this, can't do that, can't do this, can't just so much like, okay, well, what can I do? Why am I listening to this society that was invented by people from 100 years ago? Why is that still the current method of the way it is from a mental perspective? No, I'm going to change that. This is not, for me, society is just a made-up thing. Right. I, can, I can totally invent my possibility for myself as long as it's good and righteous and in, in, the, right, in, the, sort of in, the, in the right camp, right? So this is looking at 13 areas in a woman's life and, and sort of like, checking in at, at a common belief, like looking at a common belief of what society says is the way it should be. Like what would and be then one? disrupting one by one. So for example, you know, the first disruption is, is pretty straightforward is, you know, we, you know, as we age, we have to get serious, you know, like get your head out of the clouds, you know, like sit down, be quiet. Like, don't like get serious. Like, you know, you have to get really like serious and being silly and being a childlike is no longer acceptable. And so the disruption is you can still live in a childlike state of curiosity, playfulness, and awe, and to be a responsible adult at the same time, you can be both. And so there's this, and then sort of there's so many examples in the, in the chapter that shares, like, how can we practice being in flow state as in our childlike state of curiosity, playfulness, and awe, and not have to feel like, when we're so serious, we don't have great ideas because we're so, like, constrained when we're open and flowing and, like, fun and silly and, like, you know, when you're just able to not be constrained you have the biggest and best ideas. And so for me, like I always try and practice living in that space and being around people who really, you know, create that childlike state of curiosity, playfulness and awe within me so I can be the most creative. Um, my idea for things came up for, from, you know, being in a three-legged race. If I wasn't in a three-legged race as an adult, I would never have come up with the idea. And so for all of the businesses, there's always a level of play that involves coming up with campaigns and coming up with the right pitch, the right thing often comes from me when, when I'm playing. Another one is more stuff equals a better life. Common belief is when you get a bigger house or more stuff or more, you know, and this is like, you know, I, I, I know like, you know, there's Marie Kondo's book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and there's a lot of those books, but we really don't think about sort of, you know, practicing addition by subtraction our whole lives. And so the disruption is really, truly practicing addition by subtraction in our whole life. It's like you don't need to have a lot of things, a lot of friends, a lot of, you know, like a lot of companies, you know, like I don't have a lot of companies. I have things that I care about and projects that I care about deeply, you know, and I I can sit in these projects for the rest of my life. You know, I care about basic human rights forever and these things will not be solved for for a very long time. And so those are things I've been passionate about for a really long time. So 
Um, they really are, it's just like exploring and questioning the way things are in society and then disrupting them one by one. I think that's so powerful because there's so many things that we just take for granted as like, well, that's how life works or this. Yes. Like, yeah. This just the way that I'm wiping my butt with dry toilet paper. That's just the way it is. Right. It's like, no, that's not the way it is. Like, it's crazy, actually. And like, we don't do that for the rest of our bodies. Why are we doing that? So it's just like constantly like ripping the status quo thinking out of our brains. And this is a practice book is a practice to doing that over and over and over and over again. And then eventually you're like, oh, I can do this better. Oh, I can do this better. As you're going about your life, you can find a way to be fully authentic with every part of your life. That's really cool. Yeah, I really like that because it's a lot of times we don't realize that we have those kinds of false beliefs or ideas until we're in a struggle, like we're yeah. struggling against something. Yeah. Like this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. Like this is wrong. And so many of us can be um, just want to avoid a struggle, right? And they don't see like the gift in it or the beauty in it or that it's like a magic place where like, no, a brilliant idea can come out of that or like an opportunity or like a lesson can come out or a multi-million dollar business or whatever. (laughs) So um, yeah, I totally, totally resonate with that. What would you say to women that like they think they have that kind of idea, but they just they don't know, right? Like you start a restaurant and you never had a restaurant before. Like, what would you say to someone that's like, oh, I have this dream. Like I I have clients and women in my do you empowerment circles that are like, oh, I want to do this, but I don't have the skills for that. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. People are already doing that. Like there's so much self-deprecating garbage that we convince ourselves of. Like, how do you get out of that? Yeah, I mean, First, read my book, Do Cool Shit, because <laughs> it does describe every step of the way, like how I raised money, how I got pressed, every single step of the way, exactly what emails I sent, like what everything happened. So I think it's a good place to start for sure. But um, I would just say like the most important thing is just put one foot from the other. Keep going every single day. Do one thing towards that project every single day, 365 days a year. Even if you do five days a week, one thing towards your project every single day, you'll realize, oh my God. I've made so much progress. You know, Tushy was a side business before, and then now it's like kicking ass because we just did one thing every day. Now we have a team of almost 10 that are doing something positive for the business every single day, and it's just going to keep going and going and going. So, Yeah, I call it I'm praying with your feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I have a, another selfish question. Is How do you know when to take on a partner? Like a lot of us can have trouble... Um, asking for help or being like, I can do it all on my own. Or um, how do you know when it's like that time or is it like dating and that you just meet the right person? Or is there like a moment where you're like, you know what? Life doesn't feel good. Like I need a break. I need more balance. Like when is that moment? So first of all, the partner has to be exact. So there's two parts. This is, I'm so clear about this. The partner needs to have the exact opposite skill sets to you, direct opposite skill sets to you. So your true compliments, not not a single similar comp, you know, like, or very few. If you have some overlap, it's okay, but very different skill sets, critical. And the second thing is very different temperaments. I'm very type A hyper. I need a type B personality, like a most chill personality. And I need someone who's very operational, very like, like making lists and likes, you know, doing like all the sort of analytics. Like I need that person to my like ideation and my creativity and like all these, all these things. I need that sort of balance from an operational finance analytics, you know, 
great compliment to me. Um, and then, but temperamentally at the same time, because if both of us are hyper and, and even have different skill sets, but are hyper, won't work. Mm. If it's two same skill sets, different temperament, won't work. Mm. It needs to be different temperament, different skill sets. Mm. You're just like validating, like my husband's my business partner. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we're doing, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then how do you know um, like when it's time to, to do that, like to bring somebody on to help? Like it's so easy for us to just like grin and bear it and be like, I can do everything. Someone and like, who really can, you can feel like if this person who joins the team can really propel the business forward. It's like someone who like, you know, it took me seven months to hire my CEO for Tushy. You know, and he comes from Audible. He built, you know, he built Audible's ACX department to hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, he understands scale, understands team, understands the nitty gritty of building a business. Like, you know, he's really chill. So it's a really great compliment to me. Like, my, you know, head of operations for Tushy as well, really chill temperament, direct opposite skill sets to me. So that we really work great together. Um, And so you're leading me to another question, not directly, which is how do you know when something's over? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when it's when when it's um, when you're not making money, mm. when it's you know, I mean, even if you're not making money, it could be a while. You're not making money, right? If you're just not getting any traction at all, and again, took me for things get me like took me like four years to get traction. You know, really, like four years to like get the right team, get the right website, get the right investment. You know, like we only raised a little bit, but like, and then scale really. You know, it took us like it was a four year process. So sometimes it can take four or five years. But if your idea is not, if people aren't like, oh my God, I love the idea, it just might, it's time for shift. That's okay. You know, in my book, Disrupt Her, I, don't, I say, replace the word failing, replace the word failing forward with revelation. What has been revealed to me in this experience? Mm-hmm. What are things that, you know, it's like I, in my book, I talk about the scout. And a scout is someone who goes in the forest and leads a group of people like in the unknown. It's like trying to get to the other side of the forest to like salvation or whatever, to their side to find a different, better land. Well, the scout often goes on his own and runs into a ravine, runs into people shooting at him, runs into a fallen tree, runs into a bear, runs into all kinds of things on, the, on his path, his or her path. Does the scout come back and say, I failed? Or does the scout come back and say, okay, this is not the right direction, we go a different direction. I'm gonna go a different direction, I'm going a different direction. That's how it should be. Dude, no other animal on earth talks about failure. It's like, okay, that didn't work, I'm gonna go somewhere else. No gorilla or monkey or dolphin or any giraffe talks about failure. It's like, all right, cool, like, I'm gonna just do something else. That works better. So I think if we just eliminate the word failure, even failing forward is not a sexy word because it has the word fail in it, which is sad. Like rather be like, oh my God, so much has been revealed to me from my previous experience, so much. And I will not, you know, I know what to do for the next experience. I love that. It's all, it can be so much about a reframe, right? All like, reframe. It, it's not even that anything has to be different in terms of circumstances. It's just like how you choose to look yeah. at it and what you choose to That's do it. with it. That's it. Hmm, That's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation because I really love women that um, they don't like to be quiet, <laughs> uh, that like yeah. to be like really upfront about like what they want and then like to go after it. Like yeah. I like to surround myself with women like that, no matter what stage yeah. they're in, because I think even the decision to do that is so powerful and totally. so revelatory. I need people who are like, yeah, go do it. Yeah. You know, versus like, I don't know. Yeah. So do you have like a crew of yeah. all my friends are entrepreneurs or creatives or you know artists um because they're all just like impassioned people and that's the only kind of people i can hang out with that i can truly like gain energy from 
Yeah, it's so important, right, to, like, see... There's that saying about, like, you are the average of the five people Closest that you spend. Feet. Yeah. Exactly. So making sure that, like, energetically and, like, yeah. who you're around, yeah. people are lifting you up instead yeah. of, like, tearing you down. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Um, cool. What else? Is there anything else you want to talk about or that we didn't... Uh... <laughs> no, I think we're good. I mean, all, I mean, I'm a new mom, and I think being a new mom and being an entrepreneur is, is been, has been very interesting for me and I think genuinely like women are powerful beings and we can do it all you know I'm gonna have so many questions yeah, for you yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't even like know the right questions to ask yet yeah, like yeah. I'm still in that yeah because yeah. I'm in a, this place too where um like being pregnant now and then having my own business most of the women that I've talked to that are pregnant um they're like yeah and then I'll be back at work in three months and that and they have like the way that it's gonna happen and I'm like how do I want it to happen? Like, how do I get to set it up? Like, what is that going to look like? And I have no idea. So even that to like be around women or in communication with women that are doing it their own way, yeah. it just opens you to new ideas of like what's possible. And it's so inspirational because then it just shows you what you can do yourself. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, then I'll probably have to have you. Back yeah, well, I'll come back. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it was so nice chatting with you. And if you want to find my stuff, you'll probably put it below. Yeah, we'll put like it on the page. But if you want to shout out anything, your book or Tushy or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Disrupt Her comes out in January, January 29th. Um, Tushy is hellotushy.com. Do not go to tushy.com because it is a porn site. <laughs> hellotushy.com. Um, and... Um, yeah, and if you want to find out more about me, just go to mickeyagrawal.com. Or you can follow her Instagram, which is full of beautiful yeah, photos of her Agrawal. baby, too. Yes, <laughs> Thanks, Mickey. It's awesome Thank to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to our guest, Mickey Agrawal, and to everyone for tuning in. If this episode taught you something or inspired you in some way, please leave a rating and a review. And of course, share it with someone that you love. We'll see you next time where I'll be talking to another incredible woman who is doing her damn thing because, well, if you don't do you, then who will? Stay blessed, everyone.